The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to E-Commerce Playbook Week on the MarTech Podcast. This week, we're going to go through the playbook to grow your e-commerce brand using the best of today's landscape. Joining us today is Devrin Carlson-Smith, who is the Chief Strategy Officer at Finch, which empowers e-commerce companies to grow revenue and reach through access to their strategic services and advertising management platform. Finch helps e-commerce company clients define their business goals, automate their spend across channels, optimize campaigns at a granular level, and access actionable cross-platform reports to drive growth and revenue across Google, Microsoft, Amazon, DSPs, and Facebook. They are also a sponsor of the MarTech Podcast, so we're excited to have them as our guests today. So far for e-commerce playbook week, Devrin and I have talked about how you can understand today's e-commerce landscape. We talked yesterday about creating a sustainable growth strategy, and today we're going to walk through some practical e-commerce tactics. All right, here's the third installment of e-commerce playbook week with Devrin Carlson Smith from Finch. Devrin, welcome back to the Martech podcast. Hey Ben, how are you? Good, happy hump day. Welcome back to the show. <laughs> Excellent. Excited to have you back. And today I'm ready to talk about the playbook for e-commerce playbook week. We want to walk through some practical e-commerce tactics. Yesterday we talked about the philosophical challenge facing marketers deciding between earned, owned, paid, when are you investing? in performance marketing, what are you learning from those tactics? How much do you invest in things that are going to mature over time? Let's talk about what it takes to be successful in e-commerce. Give me some examples. Walk me through defining and creating a growth strategy. Let's take a quick step back and just put ourselves in the mind of a brand who's selling online. They're successful. They may have retail presence. They may not but they're looking to get more out of their e-commerce channel. They're seeing it's got great profit margins. They're seeing it's a really engaging way to build an audience and come back to them. And they're trying to figure out, what do I do to throw gasoline on this fire? We know it's working. We know consumers like it. We know we can basically optimize this. We're past product market fit. Yeah, we know this is working, right? It's like, how do I get the best practices to unlock the blueprint for being successful in this space. And if you think about what's going on in the two knowns, there's the knowns and the unknowns. 
the knowns resolve around the fact that a brand has created their e-commerce site. They got their catalog uploaded. It's got a glossy front end. People get there and they buy. Perfect. It's in place. Shopify's helped them, Demandware, Marketo, whoever. They've got this setup ready to go. On the other side, they know they've got marketplaces and all these channels where they can go find audiences. They know their ideal customer profile. They've done personas. They know who buys from them. They know how long it takes. And they know that they got a media budget to go find these folks. Now, they got two pillars on either side of the equation. And what happens in the middle, which we call this e-commerce wilderness, is effectively a blank slate. It's completely up to the brand to figure out what they need to do to map a roadmap plan between those areas. And that space is not being addressed in any way, shape, or form. The agencies are trying to step in and basically provide a strategy that says, look, we know what to do. We know where to buy it. We know how to set your creative. We know how to think about paid, earned, and owned. We can do this. But the agencies lack sort of the efficiency layer or this execution layer that is really necessary to make it happen. The marketplaces are reaching out to the brands and they're saying, hey guys, we've got a turnkey offer. You got some budget, you could spend it with us. We've got a ton of different asset pools. We will deploy that media capital based on what you want us to spend it on, efficiency goals and revenue, and we'll do it for you. Just leave it to us. So that's the second option. The third option is a brand is saying, maybe I should just do this myself. Maybe I should hire some folks internally and actually build out an in-house team and become specialists, right? And those are the three options on their plate right now. So I understand the dynamics of you can spend your way to e-commerce success, you can outsource it, go to an agency, or you can try to in-house it and learn all the hard lessons yourself. How do you decide between those three? And is it a blanket statement for everyone going one path? Or are there scenarios where some people just give the money to Amazon? Some people hire a great agency and some people build their own teams. Can you pick any and choose and just make sure you do it well? Obviously, it depends on what size brand you are. If you're a Unilever, you're going to have the best of the best from all the media marketing agencies pouring over with huge resource pools, a lot of homegrown software, and a lot of high-touch activation. That's fantastic. And they do an amazing job. I've been in the Omnicom world and the publicist world. I've seen these media operations run. They're highly performance-based and it's amazing. But if you're not one of those Fortune 500 companies or you're somewhere in the between and you're growing fast, you've got to make a call. And part of your call is, what is my think tank horsepower portion of my engine going to look like? Will I bank a lot of this on an agency to draw up the plans and then have us execute it? Should I trust Google to take my media budget or should I do it in-house? Invariably, what we're seeing happening is some of these more progressive brands and CMOs are saying, this data is first-party data and it's too valuable to be left alone with just the external world. I need to bring it in-house. I need to be able to look at it. I need to be able to overlay it with things inside of my business so that I can figure out what's going on. So give me an example. We've had brands that have said to us, you know what? I've got a challenge with inventory and my inventory comes in in different waves. And sometimes I run out of inventory for particular products. I need to know when I'm setting campaign structures and putting real dollars against channels that if I start getting low on inventory, I'm ultimately want to know about that so I could potentially reshift my budgets towards different product pages or different product SKUs. 
The ability to take first-party data and match it with your inventory data, for example, is a highly, highly valuable example for a marketer to say, let's take advantage of something else we know and overlay it on top of some existing data that's coming in inbound. So a couple of the things that you need to consider, you know, what's the growth size of your company? How much first-party data do you have? Really, where is your bread buttered? What should you own? Where are you going to specialize? And part of this comes from what type of business you are, what level of maturity. It also comes from what in-house resources do you have? What's the in-house talent look like? And if you got a team of great content marketers and great writers, you should probably own that part of the process and let the media and syndication go to the agency experts and vice versa. When you think about some of the other considerations for running a successful e-commerce business, there's some really nuanced facets of e-commerce. Seasonality, when you're doing promotions. Talk to me about how you think about finding the right mix, but also being nimble and flexible. So let's say we make a decision that we want to do this in-house and we want to be able to leverage our team. Part of what we got to be doing when we think of a practical walkthrough is asking yourself those business KPIs we talked about. Where's the business trying to get to? Are we trying to double our growth online? Are we trying to actually create more efficiency? Are we trying to sell more product? What does that look like? And I think once you have that, you can reverse engineer a practical approach to what happens next. We see people that come to us and they say, we want to go 50% over a year. And we say, that's fine. What is your primary path that you think that's going to happen? Some will say, look, we're going to bring out a new product line, which we think is going to double our growth. Some say we're getting external investment. Other people are saying they've got a channel partnership that's going nuts and they're going to expand on that, or they're going to get more from the LTV from clients. Each one of those has a distinct way to replicate that in your growth strategy and your 12-month horizon. So we park that and we at least know what it is that you look like. So that's number two. That's the second thing you should be doing. Third thing you want to be doing is getting a handle on your paid, earned, and owned landscape and understanding what's the distribution mix of how you guys sell and are found. Do you have a huge content library where people find you on YouTube and you're doing things that are very, very attractive that are drawing people inbound? Are you less known and you're a competitor brand, so you need to maybe spend more or piggyback off an incumbent so that you can get the halo effect? All of these things are good questions that you should be asking yourselves how you want to get your media mix right. So who are your people? What resources do you have in-house? What's the expertise? What's your business goals? What's the way that you're going to drive success? What's the assets that you already have available in your marketing mix? What's next? Fourth one, I would say you want to check on your aggressiveness. You've got a media budget, but how aggressive do you want to be with this? Do you want to spend very aggressively? Do you want to let it grow out for the entire year? Do you want to test and learn? These are good questions to be asking. It's definitely important. So let me ask you a question about aggressiveness. It seems like the answer is, well, I want to be aggressive, but obviously I want to test and learn. And the way that you've said, you know, with your media budget, you have to pick between the two. Is it spend fast and hard or slowly iterate and learn? Well, this is where software can really help. If you're just throwing money to the wind and saying that's aggressive because you're spending it faster, I wouldn't call that aggressive. I would call that stupid, reckless. <laughs> what I'd rather say is, Let's spend with intent. Let's spend with an eye on the KPIs and the leading indicators that should tell us something. And let's spend with the idea that we could potentially learn from each channel, not as a silo, but as an amalgamated data set of all of the normalized data in one place. 
Yeah, it's the 80-20 rule and not the 80% of your revenue comes from 20% of your customers, but spend 80% of your budget on what you know works and then spend 20% of your budget figuring out what works. That's one way to do it. Or you just start getting really good at seeing how your channels do particular things really well. I'll give you an example. The idea of having a bunch of cookies out there of customers that have visited your site and a long lag window when you know that they're still in the consideration window, but you don't do anything to retarget them, that's a lost opportunity for a brand because those are the least expensive consumers to go and identify. They've already indicated that they've come to your site. They may have looked at a product page or put something in a shopping cart, and then they didn't complete. Now, a brand has the ability to take that data and then apply that in an aggressive way to go after them to bring them back into the funnel. And that's just a case of being dialed into what's happening with the metrics. And part of the challenge is not being able to see the data yourself. It's abstracted. It's one layer further, which is why having a way, a single position to look at your data side by side, by channel, by marketplace, by ad group type, so that you can see what's working, that's the powerful side of this. Yeah. And I think that that's the key point here is we're walking through some of the e-commerce strategies is Again, understanding what's happening with your business and being able to manipulate it. And it gets down to not only a resource issue, an allocation issue, but also analytics, business intelligence as well. And we're going to dive into the details with our analytics business and also some of the MarTech stack in tomorrow's episode. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Devin Carlson-Smith, Chief Strategy Officer at Finch. Join us again tomorrow when Devrin and I continue our conversation talking about the modern e-commerce MarTech stack. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to get in touch with Devrin, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter where his handle is Devrin, D-E-V-R-I-N, or you could visit his company's website, which is finch.com, F-I-N-C-H.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our once a week newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.